Well, welcome to another deep dive um, into the Bible with New Beginnings Uniting Church. Uh, I'm Simon, and I've got Caleb with me and Kerry, uh, and we're going to be jumping into the Bible passage that we looked at. Well, actually, we didn't. Caleb preached on on Sunday. Did preach, yes. That's fine. And it's Mark 9, verses 30 to 50. So um, how about we just jump into the, the, the passage right now. Um, we'll whack it up on the screen as we go. Um, and it is from Mark 9, verse 30. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. They didn't understand what he was saying, however, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. And after they arrived at Capernaum and settled in the house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take the last place and be the servant of everyone. Then he put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me and anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me but also my father who sent me. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons but we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. Don't stop him, Jesus said. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon, will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. If anyone gives up even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for him for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It is better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. For anyone, for everyone will be tested with fire. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavour, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt amongst yourself and live in peace with each other. There's a lot in that reading, isn't there? <laughs> there is. There is. There's so much. And so I want to first of all throw to you, Caleb, since you did the preaching before Kerry and I throw in whatever nuggets are sitting back in our brain today. But I want to throw to you, was there something in the message that you want to bring? That I want to bring? I, uh, I'm not sure, actually. Well, want to bring... I mean, there were so many aspects, like I mentioned at the start, about actually uh, what, 
what was speaking to me as I was preparing the sermon. And uh, one of the major things that I uh, went from, I started in a place of, actually, let's see how Jesus is teaching. Because this passage, it's really just deliberate in Jesus teaching his disciples. It told us in there, actually, Jesus made time to teach his disciples. And so we get a really big insight about how we should go about teaching, whether it's new Christians, whether it's Christians in their later stages of faith, or wherever people are at, how should we maybe engage with people that uh, are on the fringe of it? And that's really something we're pushing into at a church at the moment is discipleship. And that's all discipleship really is, isn't it? It's displaying, it's being a bit of the way of uh, the way that we want people to live because that's the way Jesus calls us to live. Um, the reason why I didn't go down that path in the end, preaching isn't about those parts, I don't think, really. Really more so, whilst we can talk about that stuff and it's good to be aware of that stuff, it's got to have more, it's not just about why Jesus did it like that, but it's actually about got to be the message of Jesus. So that, that, that for me, I was sitting in it, I was praying on it, you know, in a, a, a meeting beforehand, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go down this path. And it's like, no, Caleb, no, you're not. Then there's this whole other aspect. There's two more parts in there, which two major themes, which are good to talk about. And, you know, we got this upside down kingdom in there and this whole idea of the kingdom of God and how it's distinctly different to the culture in the time and also the culture now. That's a massive part of this passage. Then you also have the power of Jesus in there, you know, to see the name of Jesus, his perfect prediction of his death, uh, how it's going to happen and all these other aspects in it as well. And then I was sitting on that, what was it, like Friday night, and I was like, this is fantastic, but it's not quite what we was meant to be said. And then that's what got us to the message on Sunday, which if you want to hear it, we will redirect you. We won't tell it now. But um, they're, the, they're the areas in there that really stood out to me. Uh, and I think they're all significant and worthwhile pointing out, and I guess that's why it's written there. Um, and, and they're all great areas to explore. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Picking up on the way Jesus was teaching, when we're looking at the ways, the works and the words of Jesus, one of the ways that's represented in here is that he sort of meets them where they're at. He says, you know, what were you talking about? What were you guys on about? I mean, he yeah. knows, but he's he's there with them right in the moment for what they're actually got in their mind, what they're, they're mulling over, meets them where they are and then takes them on this little journey. Absolutely. And... He can only do that because he created time. You know, it, it, you're not going to be able to help teach someone. You're not going to be able to help bring someone further in their spiritual development or, or where they are in their life unless you create time. And so he created time. He made this space. He knew, but he allowed them to enter. He didn't just say, this is what's wrong. But and I think the thing to carry from that uh, is he didn't, um, he didn't just say, you're wrong. He made, brought them around to the point where they realized what they were doing was a wrong attitude. Yeah. I, I, think it's really, I, I think it's really important because one of the things you're kind of saying here, Caleb, is that you don't grow super deep in your faith just by coming on a Sunday and listening to a message. Absolutely. Because that's what the crowds did with Jesus. They just heard his preaching and teaching kind of thing, but they didn't get to actually know Jesus and and discipleship is all about knowing Jesus and 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 getting that real intimate relationship uh going and and actually practicing the ways and doing the doing the things and and while while you know let me never put down preaching <laughs> because I think it's really important um absolutely <laughs> but but I want to say that 
it's only part of it. You know, it's not either or, but it's part of it. And, and it's really being willing to to come into that discipleship relationship within within the fellowship of the church because we, we don't have Jesus with us now to do that. So we, we do it within the church and that's so important. Absolutely. And you guys might have heard a lot of the time, just to reinforce this point, uh, oh, church is just a place where you can hear to learn about some good morals or ethics, you know, some good ways of living and, and that's what faith is. Well, really that's the distinguishable difference between that understanding really, isn't it? And a life lived in faith. It's not just that there's some good rules and guidelines here, but actually it's the personal application of that which brings you to know God in his fullness. Yeah. Yeah, and I love the, the beginning of this. They're in the house and he says, what were you talking about on the road? And then it says, but they kept quiet. And in the Greek, that's they, they kept on being quiet. So they weren't ready to share with Jesus, but he just sits with them until you know, he's sort of able to say, um, well, you know, anyone who wants to be first needs to be last. So they were really backing off. They didn't want to come forward and tell Jesus what they'd been talking about because they must have had some sense that it wasn't quite right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, what, what do you mean being wanting to be the, you know, the closest and the most important person uh, within... That's that's what the disciples were talking about. But I love how Jesus then uses a really concrete example for the disciples to kind of understand what it means to be within the kingdom of God. About taking um, a child and and placing the child in amongst them, and saying, "If you want to come into the kingdom, you have to be like this little one." Absolutely, and, and remembering that. Rom- the man romanticized understanding of a child isn't like that back then. Mm. That's something only recent. They were annoying. They were dependent. They didn't bring anything to the unit as a family. They didn't actually uh, do anything in the societal class. They and so Jesus is saying everyone outside like that is what you need to welcome. Not this beautiful little baby, which we love to get up for at two in the morning to clean its poop up or whatever it is. Oh. I don't know. You guys have done it. I haven't. So. <laughs> How lovely. <laughs> but, but, but what would, like, what's a, what's a, a uh, translatable uh, understanding of what a child was back then? You know, you think the least of these, well, maybe it's uh, an extension to the person sitting out the front asking for food of a shop, you know. Uh, maybe it's the extension not as extreme to someone that you have a skill set and they need the help of the skill set and actually you can provide that, but they don't quite have that yet. But it's a burden because you have to move, go out of your way to help them, see. Uh, and, and so it's those people that you're bringing and serving, not just this romanticized child that you love and, and care for. And the, the child had no power no power whatsoever, no standing, um, no authority. And so this is how you enter the kingdom of God, not being this person who's up on the throne and can wield, you know, as much authority as you like. And so such a contrast. And, And doing it in the physical, bringing the child in and saying, you know, look at this little child. This is how you enter the kingdom of God. Yeah. So to kind of, you know, round it out, Part of the thing is also about relationship. 
And I think Jesus wouldn't, didn't go, oh, let's just grab, uh, you know, any of the kids that are wandering around on the street and just drag them into the house. That was uh, somebody within the house. So it was somebody within that family, within that house that he brought into to the midst of the disciples. But it says something really important about the relationship between um, Jesus and us, between God and us on how we relate. So coming into the kingdom of heaven like one of these is like a little child. It's actually about how we... So most of the stuff that Jesus says, and I want to kind of make this clear, most of the stuff that Jesus says is about how we view ourselves and how we bring ourselves into that relationship. So like in this space, he's talking to the disciples who are arguing about who's going to be the greatest, and he's actually saying, actually, you need to enter into the kingdom like this child, which is dependent on me. Children are dependent on the adult for the feeding, for the nourishment, for the support, for the care, for the shelter, for the physical you know, protection, all of those things, for the emotional support, all of that. And so actually having um, Jesus say that this is the relationship that you need to have with God means that we then place ourselves into that space. Yeah. And how do we depend on God for all of those things? And children have a sense of awe, you know, looking up to that person and and um, really sort of idolising them, worshipping them, and that's really, yeah. I, I, you know, we, we wrote a song about this, right? You know, remember back when? Yeah, so, you know, I just looked it up then because I should remember my own song's lyrics, but that's not the point. But, you know, that's exactly what you're saying, you know. Uh, some of the things like they're open, innocent, and true. At what point is it as adults, we learn, we, we just start to close off. We become doubting and, and we forget the truth. You know, the, just the childlike faith to be able to trust your parents without any questioning, you know, like, and that's what it's meant to be for the father. Things like the awe, like you're saying, Kerry, uh, the awe of a child. Like when you're in worship, do you truly just fall into the grandeur of God or is it that you get stripped back and sit in the simplicity of the music? You know, um, some of the other things, like the desire of a child, you know. These are just some of the things that the child image brings, you know, and the courage of, of a child, you know. Nothing can stop us as a child. <laughs> well, you can. You're, you're, not, you're not actually developed or, or any bigger or, or any smarter, but you seem to be going out with a, a sense that everything's possible, you know. Um, it's a great image, isn't it? Yeah. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And now, Josh is not um, on the chat today, but he did have a question that I thought was a really good, good question, question, which was revolving around um, the disciples, the argument about the disciples, um, but also um, coming, coming all the way back to the end, um, he had a question about fire, which you really mentioned in the wrap-up of your message on Sunday. Yeah. Um, but it was a really deep and important point that I think uh, that we, we often miss when we read this, this passage. So I yeah. want to throw it to you, the meaning of fire, the meaning of salt, and just kind of jump mm. deeper into that for us. The, the Bible uses fire in a couple of different ways, doesn't it, really? I, I think, you know, we should you could just do a sermon on all the different images of fire, uh, particularly in purification uh, and sacrifice. And, and in this case, 
it's around sacrifice. And it's talking about, it's the fire is something that complements the image of salt. Because if you understand the Old Testament sacrificial system, they were to salt everything. And so Jesus is using salt here in this end part. He's combining it with fire as this aspect of become your life the sacrifice which was to be given to God. And this is partly what I was getting to in the whole aspect of it was we've got to treat our whole lives as a way of the cross. It's like we, we, we often think of ways to like deal with suffering when it happens or understand why suffering happens. But when we're in it, we don't often have the understanding of suffering. Correct. And Jesus doesn't give us this promise of a good life. So when, when we're talking about fire and salt, we're talking about becoming the, the living sacrifice. That's how it's mentioned by Paul. A living sacrifice, which actually is something that we offer to the Lord and our lives is that way done. So there's this image of sacrifice that's there. The other end is uh, a preserving nature. And, and that's more to do with our relationships with each other, but particularly with fire. So, so the salt's the preserving part. Well, there's two aspects. There's, yep. there's two images there. There's yep. the one of the sacrifice. Yep. And then there's the second part in the second part of the image, which is actually a preserving image. Yep. Yeah. So, so you're talking about the fire in this regard in the fact around uh, refining, yep. uh, refining, which is if, if you think about refining fire, you, you heat precious metals to remove off the other parts to leave just the precious Destroy metal. the impurities. Destroy the impurities. So that's the refining fire. And then you've also got on, on the other side of that, you've got the consuming fire that yep. is the consuming fire of the altar um, that takes up that and, and raises a, a pleasing aroma to God. So it's that, um, that actually bringing yourself into that space and letting well, everything that you do become something pleasing to God. Um, so important to really delve into that. And then you've got the other aspect of fire, which is in the verses before. It's talking about the eternal fire. The, uh, the punishment. Yeah, 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 the fire that doesn't go out, the fire that continues. Um, that idea of, of hell being a place of fire and being, you know, not a pleasant place at all um, because of the absence of God. Yeah. And not to say that hell is this infernalistic idea of being thrown into a lake of fire, which is often portrayed, but... Uh, well, that's another conversation, but there is this burning of uh, that will happen in sense when you do come to the point one day because it's said there will be a judgment day and there will be a point when they or we all have to stand before God and, and present what we've lived. That's the bare truth of it, and it's uncomfortable to say sitting here. I'm kind of like, Whoo, uh, that's not nice. But the truth is, if you have or haven't accepted Jesus, is whether or not the fire will consume you. Uh, again, metaphorically, um, and, and I feel like you always have to justify yourself when you talk about these sorts of things, but uh, that's why it, it's, it shouldn't be a worry for us though. You know, and you hear this and you get concerned about it, but the truth of the matter is if you've accepted Jesus, you have no, no need to worry about that. The truth is if you see the sacrifice Jesus has brought to you and the life that he brings to you now, Actually, it's not a problem because you're going to be brought into the place of the table where we feast with Jesus. You know, that the promise is that we'll have a new life, we'll have a new body, there's a new world that we go to. 
and, and so it's not actually about uh, the, the scary side. That should only motivate and convict us more to be sharing the message with everyone else because we don't want our brothers, sisters, family, friends, work colleagues, whoever they are to end up in that place. And so it should be a motivating thing for us to actually push down rather than something that hinders us in what we do. So, yeah, one of the hard things is that we're, we're over the histories have had um, uh, fire and brimstone preaching, haven't we? Yes, uh, sometimes um, still is. <laughs> <laughs> I was only chatting with somebody yesterday uh, and they were just commenting how uh, as a pastor I'm so different to uh, the people they grew up with um, who were, and, and using his words, you know, m- you know uh, angry priests and mean and vicious nuns, and, and it's just it, it's coming out of that kind of um, you've got to believe this or you're going to go you know go to hell kind of stuff. But it's you know you you temper that with what Jesus was just talking about beforehand, because this is all coming into the same right. space about bringing a little child in, coming into the kingdom of heaven, and and it's all it's not you can't divorce one from the other. You've got to bring it together. Um, and so that's why it's so important for us when we look at the Bible that we don't cherry-pick bits out for things. You actually need to have it as you're looking at all of this. And so Jesus is actually saying that if you really want to come to into the, the kingdom of God, you, you've actually got to let go of all of these things. Um, let go of all of the pride that you may have. Let go of all of the so-called social standing you might have. Let go of all of these things and just present yourself. And step into like humility. Yeah. Yep, step into humility. But but it's also really, I think it's so good for us to read this because um, we need to realise that there are things that we'll do in our life that will be a stumbling block. And it's about more than being thrown into the fire, it's actually about recognising it. Recognising it and cutting it out of our lives. That's right. It's so important to do that. And the language that he uses there is so, like you said, you know, exaggerated. It's better for you to cut your foot off and get into heaven than to come. You know, like this is serious business. Like you were saying, sin is serious, you know. Absolutely. And, And we need to treat it seriously. Like if we become aware of something, and we realize how bad it is, why do you want to keep going back to it? And why isn't it that the truth that Jesus gives isn't enough for you to want to have to change it? You know, is there some priority which is mismanipulated that we need to come back to? Because the truth of the gospel really should be changing us forever to come into those parts where we see sin like that, really like God sees it as, you know, detestable almost. Uh, and we want it out of our lives, not because it's the right thing to do, but because we know how much better it is without it. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, like thinking about that, you, you're kind of just saying that it, you've got to recognize it, but you've also got to be able to then change your behavior, you know, and, and, and we all don't want to go, oh, I want to keep on going, so I'm going to pluck out my eye, or I want to keep on doing this, so I'm going to cut off my foot. None of us go, that's what I want to do. And the Bible says don't do it, so don't. So we don't. <laughs> but it, it, it is saying change your behavior. Recognize it, change it, come in line. Learn from me um, and become a part of this. Let go and let God take over your life. So it's such a big important call for us to be able to recognize those. You know, and and any of the anybody that may know 
um, the sinner's prayer. It's actually to recognise that you have sinned and ask for that forgiveness. And this is part of the process. Recognise that you have done things wrong against God's plan for our lives and then accept God in. And, and I think it's, we'll get to in a second, but I, will, I just kind of make change your life, you know, and I think we've become a bit complacent uh, with the change your life aspect and it's become almost uh, just get to a point and then that will do for the rest. You know, we shouldn't ever get to the point where we feel comfortable with where we're at as Christians because there's always some way we can become more Christ-like and uh, to continually represent that reflection of God in our life. Yeah. And I was just linking up that idea with a child. You know, when you tell a child, did you do that? Did you do something wrong? And they go, hmm, yes. That's like our receptivity to, to God needs to be like childlike. I'm sorry, Lord. Um, I'm sorry, forgive me. Uh, help me not to do that again. Yeah. So last, wrapping up now, Caleb, was there last words you want to say? Uh. In, in, in these final minutes, I think the thing that maybe just to point out and, and something that we can really quickly just reinforce is the power of Jesus. Um, and and that's really what it is if we connect it with the change that we're talking about that will bring change in our life. You know, people turn to substances or they turn to uh, different communities. The void isn't filled and the power of like the, the, the life isn't changed in those moments because the only thing that really changes is the perfect power of Jesus. And uh, if we're not going to actually turn to that, which means humbling ourselves, which means admitting you're wrong, which means de desiring a change in our life, we're not actually ever going to find it. And so it's, and that's the source. And, and the thing is, we know that. Uh, but the thing is to actually then apply that in, and live that in our life. And uh, to truly have that desire and to truly want to tap into that power. Jesus isn't restricting it from us. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a gift and it's something he's wanting to give us through the Spirit. The Spirit's here looking to help us, looking to guide us, looking to convict us, looking to challenge us. It's just, are you really taking the time to find it? Yeah. I mean, fantastic. So how about we, uh, just before we come and pray, just... Uh, Really looking forward to uh, Sunday's message. Kerry's going to be bringing Sunday's message. It's a good one. She's got a lovely, tough passage to deal with. Uh, uh, this, this is the fun thing about going through a book of the Bible like Mark and, and the Gospel of Mark uh, is that we're looking at all of it. We're not just taking the bits and pieces that we, we don't want to deal with, but we're looking at all of it and how it speaks into our lives today. So really looking forward to, to Kerry's message and I really want to encourage you to be um, a part of that message as well. So tune in um, at 10 o'clock Sunday morning. Um, it'll be fantastic. And it'll be an interesting conversation next week on Wednesday. It's a challenge it's for a me. So, yep. <laughs> so it, you'll have to wait for that. Or if you're really good, read chapter 10 of Mark. So, okay. How about we just pray? Oh, gracious, loving Father, um, you call us to become like little children to accept your love, your care, your support for our lives. Oh Lord, may we come to you without pretense. May we come to you knowing that, that you have won everything for us, that we do not need to worry 
but we do need to own up to the mistakes and the sins that we have made. So, Lord, we ask that you come and lead our lives in all ways, in all aspects, that you change our minds so that we may come and follow you. We pray this in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.